this is Champagne Divorce Party, where we talk to inspiring women who have turned their divorce into the best thing that ever happened to them. We're your hosts. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Gillian. We're best friends who have not only survived brutal divorces ourselves, but thrived in our lives post-divorce. And now we run Champagne Divorce Club, where we help women navigate their separation, heal their hearts and transform their lives. Today we're joined by Karen Fasulo. Karen is a mum of three girls who says although she tried hard to fit into the mould of what a good wife and mother should be, she eventually recognised that she was in a psychologically abusive relationship and she wanted to set an example for her girls of how a woman should be treated in a loving relationship. She says she's discovered uh, after her divorce that she is sexy, intelligent, able to dress in a way she feels and able to address in a way that she feels empowered in her womanness. Welcome, Karen. Well, that. thank you so much for having me. This is so, I absolutely love um, that intro. It's so fantastic. Mm, isn't it? Um, yeah. Hey, Karen, can you tell us a bit about the marriage you were in? Um, how long were you married and how old were you when you met? So when um, my husband and I had met, I was 22 years old. Um, and we were married for 13, 11, 13 years around there. I <laughs> can't remember now. It's been a while. Um, so we were both quite young. He was a couple of years older than me when we met. And, and it was at a time in our lives where this is what all of our friends were doing, right? Yeah. So everybody was sort of getting engaged and, and building that life together. Um, and, and at first it, it was good. I mean, I think that now when I look back, there was definitely signs that maybe I could have picked up on, but I chose to, to not ignore them, but move past them. Right. Yeah. Because when you're in that stage of your life, you're just like, okay, well, everything's new, right? I've never mm. been married before. Is this what a marriage is supposed to be like? You know, there's going to be compromises. Everyone always talks about, well, you have to make compromises in order to make a relationship work. So for me, I was just like, okay, well, this is this is what we do. This is how it goes. And yeah, so we, that's, that's right? such a thing, isn't it, about the compromises? And I, I know it's something we talk to with so many women um, who are in, in this situation and we all talk about how, you know, we put up with things that seem just like, well, you know, a marriage is going to have ups and downs. It's going to have some difficulties and you deal with that at the time. So, yeah, understand that completely. <laughs> Yeah. And and when you are sort of, you get everybody sort of is always talking into you, right? So you got your parents are talking into you, your friends are talking into you, your husband's talking into you. Mm. And unless you are like 100% know who you are, then it's easy to hear all those voices and then oh, to lose who you are. Mm. And that's exactly what happened to me. And so when did you start to see that happening? Was your relationship, you know, in the scheme of things, what did you say, like 11, 13 years, somewhere around there? How did that, how did that manifest itself in your relationship? It was a huge roller coaster. Like mm. it really was a big roller coaster. It was sort of when I, when I think back now, when I was feeding into what he had to make him feel comfortable to, you know, build him up, um, it was great. 
Mm. When I was sort of the one that was like, but wait a second here, what about me? You know, what about the things that I like to do? What about my career ambitions? What about, you know, like working as a team, then it was bad. Then it was it was a downhill. So um, I didn't realize at the time what lies was happening and just how mentally unstable my husband was while I was in it because often we can't see the picture when we're inside right Mm -hmm. so and I couldn't see it I thought that there was something wrong with me I thought that I was being selfish because that's really what I was being told I thought that I was you know like you know, I was being too naggy, I wasn't being a great support, I wasn't, you know, so, Mm. and I remember, like, when I came home from the hospital with my first child, so it, we had a hard labor, she was, um, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. So every time mm-hmm. I pushed the shoe, the shoes pulled back. And so there was, a, I was not in good shape and it was my first baby. Like I just gave birth and we came home from the hospital and my mom came to stay with us for a couple of days. And I remember it was like day two. And I'm trying to heal and get used to all being motherhood. And I come home. My mom took me and my daughter to the doctors for a checkup. And I come home and he's supposed to be at work, but he's flat out in bed. And I'm like, what's the matter? He goes, I think I have MS. Oh, I'm not doing well. And I'm oh, like, oh. what? And I'm just like, he goes, yeah, because his mom was just diagnosed with MS. So it didn't come out of right. nowhere, but he was like, he chose this time to discover that he was now going to have MS. And I'm just like, listen, I just think <laughs> your MS is not going to kill you right now. That's not what that disease does. Can you not help me? Like, do something. So that was just sort of what, it, and I was just like, oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, it, I'm sure you can go to the doctor and get tested to find out if it is MS. Most likely it's a little bit of anxiety and stress because all of a sudden you are a father and you need to look after your wife and you can't handle that. So <laughs> that's just a little bit. And then it just, just snowballed from there. Mm. And and then <laughs> wow. And I'm assuming I'm assuming he doesn't have MS. No. Wow. <laughs> he never was diagnosed with MS. Right. <laughs> um. And then so how did things come to an end? So it was quite a few. So two more babies later. Um. And I. So we there had been a lot of control issues. So I after my first child. So when I was pregnant with my second child. It was like I I had that burning desire to be a stay-at-home mom, which mm-hmm. I never had before. So it was really strange where it came from. But, you know, after having my first child and taking her to a babysitter every day so I can go to work, I was like, you know what? I want to raise my kids. Mm-hmm. This is something that I want. So we had made those choices and together, and he agreed with that. He was right on board with that decision. But... Um, we so we had I was at home for quite a few years 
And then I was just like, you know what? There's like, I, I need more. I definitely need more. And throughout those years of being a stay-at-home mom, I had developed a cake decorating business. Oh wow! So I was baking cakes and decorating cakes from the home. And it got to the point where it was like, we renovated our kitchen. And I was like, okay, I either need to really pursue this or give it up. Because it was like almost annoying to be doing it only on the weekends, but not really fully into it. So I decided and it was, we had sort of came to a really, a really big fight. I had been in, I'd been invited to go out for drinks with a girlfriend of mine for her birthday. And it was literally the one of the only times that I went out to a bar. And I was there and barely could find clothes that I felt like a woman in. Mm -hmm. Like I was like wearing like jeans and a really loose shirt. There was nothing sexy about me right now. (laughs) And, but I had fun. I had fun there because the band was going and I was dancing and I was like, yes. Like I was like 30, 35. I'm like, Mm. I am, I am not over the hill. Like I'm not done here (laughs) is what I look. Right. So it was fun. <laughs> and I remember looking around at the bar and looking at like the the single people that were, you know, trying to hook up and thinking to myself, I'm really glad that I'm not there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so careful what you wish for. <laughs> so then I come home. I'm on, I'm driving home, my minivan driving home, and he calls me. And he's like, where are you? Like, literally, this is like one o'clock in the morning. The bars here don't close till two or three. And I'm just like, I'm driving home. Oh, my goodness. Wait till I tell you about the night. He starts yelling at me Mm -hmm. and telling me to get my ass home right away. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I walk in the door. All the lights are on in the house. There's an empty bottle of scotch. Oh. And the music is blaring. (sighs) And I'm like, whoa. So I run upstairs and check to make sure that the girls are okay. They're all sleeping. They're all safe. Everything's okay. And I come downstairs and he was like, so what have you been doing all night long? And I'm just like, uh, I was, you know, at a bar. And so he accused me of having affairs, of sleeping around, and which was not something that was like a normal thing. So I was quite surprised and shocked, but he was quite it was, it was not the man that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Mm. And, and it scared me. I like, I slept that night with the lights on and Mm. prayed to God that he passed out downstairs because I didn't know who I was, who he was. And so the next day it it was actually really quite scary. So the next day I, I called, went over to talk to my parents and I said, I need, I need a lawyer. I need to find out what I need to do. Cause right now I had no income. I hadn't been in the workforce for quite some time. So I really didn't know where I could be or how I was going to like take care of these three kids. He was not, he was somebody who couldn't keep a job. My, he was really great at, at interviews and at wooing people, but he could not keep a job. So mm. it was a constant cycle. So there was really not a lot of financial security there for me whatsoever. Mm. So my family got me a name of a good lawyer. I went and talked to him. I think like with my baby 
And he just said, he goes, you got to get your stuff together. He goes, you cannot expect this man is not going to take care of you and your kids. Mm. And you can't expect the the government or anybody else. Like, who do you want to be? So I would suggest for you, if it's safe for you to go back, get your life in order, figure out how you're going to move forward in your life and then make that decision. Oh, wow. As far as. You know, like if I was in danger, like if this was a, if, if I really thought that I was not safe, he would never have given me that advice. He would have told me to go to a shelter right away. But knowing that, cause I didn't, that night was scary, but it wasn't like, I felt like it wasn't an everyday occurrence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yet right mm-hmm. so that's what I did so then that's when the thought of the bakery came I started taking some part-time jobs and then I was like yeah you know what am I gonna start a bakery so wow. I did that okay and I was just like you know what this is my future so got secured a loan opened up a retail bakery mm. and in October <sighs> and was like I'm doing this well he didn't, of course, that left him to be the stay-at-home dad mm. and help out more and raise the girls. And because I work six days a week, 18 hours a day, like I had a new business that I needed to birth. And um, it didn't, yeah, he didn't really manage well with that. And can I just ask a question later, about, yeah, right, yeah. I was just going to ask about timeline. So how old were your girls when you set up the bakery so my oldest was so my youngest was just turned four Mm -hmm. and my middle was six and my oldest was nine yep wow so you had it all going on (laughs) it all going on and then just before I so 10 so just after I opened the bakery in October June is when the it was the final straw the final straw and I just couldn't take it anymore there was more lies there was more manipulation there was cheating going on that I found out about like there Mm. was just so much more that coming to the service because I wasn't I wasn't a board stay at home one yeah. anymore yeah. creating instances in my head yeah so now I could see clearly what was going on oh, that's um, so interesting that um that perspective that you get when you can take a step back I also think that you know from the people that we've spoken to we've spoken to so many women who've been you know through this and um generally the the people that suspect that you're cheating are probably cheating, yeah. <laughs> because you 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 reflect, you know, what what you what you see, you know. So um, that's super common. <laughs> um, exactly, I, Karen. It's so. Um, I just want to say how amazing it, it, you are because you know here you are. You've dealt with this situation. You can see that you've got these struggles with your husband, and you go, "I'm going to take." control in this situation and I mean that was a very amazing and brave thing to do at that time um you know what was do do you remember what was going through your mind at the time to sort of take that big leap of faith I guess to sort of go I need I need to do something here I need to take charge it was my future yeah and that that's what it was it was my future it was my girl's future this was our future that's the way that I looked at it And, and it was something that 
brought me strength. Mm. Amazing. Now, I'd never, I'd never run a bakery before. I really didn't know what I was doing <laughs> as far as that part, you know, like, but it didn't matter because, you know, that part gave me strength. But then when I jumped into that role again, I was like on fire. Like, yeah. It was that awakening that I was like, huh, you know, I got to talk to people. Like people wanted to talk to me that wasn't, you know, needing something from me or they were, but I could charge them for it. It was like, this is great, you know? Yeah. That's I love that. I've got chills hearing that. That's wonderful. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah, um, me too. Um, I was so, just, yeah, sorry, you go, sorry. Carolyn. Oh, no, I was just going to ask you about those early days then, you know, after you called time and, and you know, that was the end. How were those early days? Where did you go? What did you What did you do? Yeah. So in June, when the final straw happened, um, it was we. I caught him in his final lie, and I remember just dropping on that bakery floor and just wailing because I knew that it it was over. That was it. And God bless my staff because they just picked me up and were were a really supportive towards me. And I went to my mom and dad and I just said, like, it's done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was the day of, cause our middle daughter was in kindergarten. So it was her last day of kindergarten. It was in the summertime and we had to do her school picnic. And so the two of us were there together and I was just like, and he knew that I caught him in his lie. He knew that things that this was not good. Like we had already done marriage counseling. We had already done like, like all the steps were done before this. It wasn't just like I woke up and said, okay, you're done. Like this was years of us working on from the time that I went to that birthday party and thinking about starting to open the bakery to this was probably about two years where it was, you know, Yes, we had gone to therapy. We had gone to just trying to make things better. The roller coaster was still there. So at this moment, he knew when I said, "Uh uh-uh. And I knew when he was on his knees in front of me crying, saying, please, I don't want to be a statistic. Don't end this marriage. Mm. And I felt nothing. I'm like, no, it's done. We're done. And we are statistic no matter what. Whether you're married or whether you're divorced, you're still a statistic. So it doesn't make sense. So um, I remember driving back home after that picnic and we were at a stop sign. And I just said to him, "What, what would you do if one of your daughters was married to a man who treated her and her family the way that you've treated us? Mm. And he said, I, I'd probably kill him. I said, that's why we're divorcing. Because mm. I can't. My children, my daughters, don't. I don't want them to grow up and to have a marriage like this. Yeah. I want them to grow up and to know what it feels like to be loved. And even if I'm alone for the rest of my life, they will know what that feels like to be mm. loved and not to have to be treated this way because you're not treating us with respect. 
you know, people who are in in committed relationships don't lie to each other. Mm-hmm. Like they don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't they yeah. build each other up. They don't tear each other down. And so, and and so it was quite it was quite amicable. We decided that we weren't going to tell the girls right away. So that was the end of June. I had talked with my parents. We decided what we were going to do. So the girls and I were going to move in with my parents who lived in the same town. Mm-hmm. But we needed to change. The girls would need to change schools. Um, they had enough room for us. And that way I could still, because the bakery was only eight months old. So if I was to close my bakery, I would lose so much money for deposits and broken leases and everything else. So I was like, I need to be able to keep this going, but it's not something that I can afford to have a place of my own. Like financially, it just didn't make sense. So moving mm-hmm. in with my parents was great because they also, my mom didn't work, so she could be there to help with the girls anyways. I didn't have to worry about daycare. Um, and so... That was going to happen the end of August. So we decided that we weren't going to tell the girls until then. And that was hard. <laughs> that, that, that was hard playing that role. Yeah. But it wasn't as hard as playing the role beforehand. Mm. If that makes sense. So mm. For me, I knew that it, there was an end. And I yeah. could do that. Yeah, it's having that end date. I think it's, uh, I, I was similar. I stayed living with my ex-husband for, I think, three months after we called time on the marriage. And they were the, definitely the longest three months of my life. <laughs> um, but, but you know that the new, what, the new chapter in your life is coming. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. so what, you know, you've been through all of this, you know, tough stuff and, 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 you know, you, you finally made the break. What was it that, sparked joy for you in those early days how did you how did you find that that joy again in your life I would have to say in the early days there really wasn't much it was more just trying to because then it was the whole trying to make the visitation you know all of the Mm. like that hard stuff work right yeah it's it's such a tough time there's like you're just putting you feel like you're putting out fires the whole time I think in the early days yeah And so I didn't, it wasn't like I really, it wasn't like I was like, oh, let's go to the bars and go find somebody. And and that just wasn't my life. I was still working. I was still in the bakery six days a week. And when I wasn't in the bakery, I was with my kids, with my girls, because my oldest daughter at this time was also diagnosed with autism and -hmm. learning disabilities. So there was a lot of therapies. There was a lot of different things that, that really had my attention like it really wasn't about me at that point it was only about them um but probably about eight months nine months later I think it was my birthday and my girlfriends were just like yeah you're going out (laughs) it's your birthday let's go find something to put on and again it was like oh my goodness like and before I was like when I was in college I bartended in nightclubs like I was like <laughs> I used to have all the clothes and now I'm just like oh I can't go out looking like this but um but that was the best night of my life because again I was just like I was able to get out there and dance with the band and have fun but 
I was I got some some attention, mm. but you know what? I was like, I thought that my friends had paid the guy to, or asked <laughs> the guy to pay attention to me. That's where my self into your confidence was. yet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my God. So when they heard me say that, they were like, "Okay, you're going out every weekend." So it was like, <laughs> "Nope, you gotta, you gotta realize this about yourself." So it it was good, and we start. I started doing that, and I started thinking. And so I bought like I got feeling more sexy because it it was what I needed. It was like just that little bit of attention was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know what? Mm, I still got it. I do. I can do this. This is going to be Yeah, fun. we just um, recorded a video recently where we talked about getting back into the dating scene again and how it was a really – it's sort of just a lot of fun. There's a lot of distraction in there, especially after you've spent a very long time really being told that you're no good and that you're not good enough and you're not great. And I think when you get out there and start dating, it's such a fun time. Um I did want to ask you what were your biggest fears though at that point because you know you've been through such a huge change what was what was going through your mind you must have been pretty scared at times I was mm-hmm. you know and that's still that still is here because it's like will I really ever find love mm. will I really ever find that what I'm looking for that that person who wants to build a life with me mm. who wants to have these adventures and and you know who is who gets me who I don't need to change for mm. who I don't need to make excuses for right and so that that still is like that biggest fear will it does that person exist or am I you know is everything what they had told me beforehand actually true? Mm. You know, so that's, but that's my own limiting belief. That's part of my personal development that I have been sinking my teeth into and working through. And, you know, I've had relationships since then, um, but nothing that's really been the best because, or lasting and, or, healthy because I've not been in Mm -hmm. that right spot. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I do pour a lot. And so to further with the, the separation, so going on with the divorce and, you know, after a year of our separation, my ex decided to leave the country and remarry and start a new family, which didn't include our three girls. So that uh, so the reason why really I've just poured into my kids because that's what what I needed to do at that time. Mm-hmm. They needed that support. They, you know, they didn't ask to be in a, a broken family, right? When they were born, they they didn't ask for this, and they certainly did not ask for their father to leave and start mm-hmm. a new family without them. And so that really became my my purpose, my passion, and and really just how is how can I best serve them? How how can I support them through this? And how can I be the best possible mother, the best possible person mm-hmm. to show them how to move and navigate through this life? And so that was, um, that was really, really where my focus went to. 
Yeah. Um, and what did you see in your future at that point? You know, what did, uh, right at that time, you know, you said you wanted to really make sure that your kids were, were safe and, yeah. and happy. I guess that was such a big focus for you. Um, yeah. And what about, and what the, about ba- the bakery? What happened yeah. with the bakery? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? With everything that, that had been going on, um, uh, the bakery was really, it, it, it saved me so much during those early days because it gave me that purpose. It gave me that place to go. It gave me that, that energy, that creative outlet, you know, so which was amazing. But it was, it was taxing. So when I had to, I couldn't continue to work that amount, pour all that into the bakery. And then with my kids getting a little bit older, and once my, once their father left the country, and I was no longer just a single mom, but a single parent 24 seven. And with the other, you know, with the learning disabilities, and with the autism with, uh, there was a lot that was going on with my oldest daughter trying to help her um I I had something had to give Mm -hmm. and so I had met somebody who was in the industry and he helped me to transition out of the bakery and then um transitioned into the online space where I can be helping and working for other businesses and helping them develop their businesses online so that's really where uh, how that ended so Mm -hmm. it was bittersweet um you know, and, and it was funny because I opened it to be a, to be our future. And it actually has, because it's brought me to so many different places, mm-hmm. which has given me a better future than I ever could have imagined. You know, when I opened it, I thought, yeah, I could see my, you know, all, all four of us, me and the three girls working here and, and building this family business. But, and they did that at, you know, in their own capacities, you know, my oldest, I had her come and help help out. The two little ones did dishes and cleaned like all of the, <laughs> the color bottles. And like they, they all had their fun stuff, their fun time. We were all a part of it. But it was not. So the future that that bakery gave us is not the future at the time that I thought it was going to be. So it, it's brought us to this this much better place that we are right now and much more opportunities. That's beautiful. And so how would you describe where you are now? What, how would you describe your life now? So I would say at peace. I have peace right now mm. because, you know, I found who I was mm. throughout all of this. And, and that's what the struggle gives you, right? When you're in that struggle, when you don't see it at the time. But mm. I have discovered that the strengths that are within me that I had no idea I could I could have the compassion that I have for others at the time. I'm not sure that that I really could understand that level of compassion. You know, unfortunately, over the years with, you know, when my ex left, he didn't just leave my girls. He also left his entire family. And so mm-hmm. I had reached out and with, with through my girls' struggle, I was like, well, they they can't lose everybody. So I had reached out to his whole entire family who during the divorce was like, you know, unsure. They were never, we never had a bad relationship, but they always felt obligated to their sons, mm-hmm. right? Which is usually what happens. But with him no longer being around, 
I was like, listen, I want you to be a part of these girls' lives. Like, I, we, as long as we have, you know, respect for each other, like, let's open this up. And so that really brought me a lot of, a lot of happiness, a lot of peace, and a lot of being able to see just how strong I am. Because <clears> that, <throat> is, that does take courage to do right? And it takes courage on their end as well, right? So because we all had stuff to risk, like I had, I had to risk that, you know, that protective bubble that I put around us so that he couldn't hurt us anymore. They had to risk that protective bubble that they put around them because they were afraid that my girls were going to blame them Mm. and be mad at them and hate them. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, that's not going to happen in my watch. Like we're all like, you guys are family and we're all really good friends. And we're all like, I'm always invited and welcome in their home. We do things all together. They come here. Like, it, it's all the same as what it was before, only without the father, without my mm. ex-husband. He's the mm. one that's just missing. So my girls didn't miss out on that part. Their family is still all intact. And that really brings peace to me. That really I shows me that, that strength, that compassion, that, that navigating about different mm. relationships, you know. So yeah, that part, and we were really grateful for that. That's a really um, a beautiful thing for you to do because it it puts you in a vulnerable position as well to go out there and sort yeah. of put yourself out there and um, in in that sort of situation. And so, is your your ex husband is he has he sort of reappeared or is he still MIA? So unfortunately, he last it was almost a year ago. He suffered a severe stroke, mm. and it was. Um, the first time that his current wife had reached out to me and I'm grateful that she did mm. and told me what had happened. So he, uh, you know, he, the leopard doesn't change his spots, right? So he was exactly the same as what he was with me only with a new wife. And so lots of lies, lots of, of that. So she reached out to me and it was quite, it was quite healing because, mm-hmm. you know, so he had a stroke and he didn't actually, he ended up passing away two months later. Oh, wow. Um, but in those two months, I do have to say that he did what he could never have done conscious. Mm-hmm. So by him not dying right away, he gave that opportunity for his current wife to reach out to me and for a lot of healing to happen. So because I realized that, because I didn't know what he had told her. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know if she even knew why she met the girls before. It's not like she didn't know that they existed. So, you know, the last seven years about what their marriage was like, you know, and he had lied a lot to his extended family, like like his sister and, and his brothers and his parents. And so it gave us that time to sort of understand where he was coming from to really, really exercise forgiveness and, and mm-hmm. be able to put that to rest. And so when he passed, you know, it was... 
it was hard because it's during COVID and it, he's in a different country. Our borders were closed. So my mm-hmm. girls never got to say goodbye. It was really, I would say it was the hardest on me. I was really affected by it. Not because, but you know, it was like, oh man. So he just wasn't taking care of himself. Mm-hmm. It just seemed, and he, you know, it, it it didn't need to be this way, but it was this way. And so, you know, I was just and thinking back and, and then putting all the pictures together and, and talking to the girls a lot about it. We had talked for quite some time for years, actually, almost like he was, he was dead because mm. I had realized quite early on my youngest was, she was what, not just six, just six. When he left, she had no memories of him. Mm. And so she was making up memories of him when talking with her friends. I was like, all right, your father never did that. And then realized she didn't know. So we would talk about things that he would do with her. So like you loved it when your dad read you this story or, Mm -hmm. you know, about their childhood. So well, after when he passed, we started, you know, reminiscing. They were like, yeah, we, we know all this mom. It's okay. Like, like, (laughs) So for them, are so resilient, aren't they? <laughs> they are, right? Like they're like, yeah. So for them, his death was he had the closure that they were never going to receive mm-hmm. because they were like, okay, he's just choosing not to be with us mm-hmm. beforehand, but now he can't. He's he's passed. So that was a huge blessing for them. That was the gift that he gave them because he was never coming back. He was never making amends. He was never going to give them that. I'm sorry. I messed up that they so desperately really needed to hear. Yeah. And and that was another great gift that then you were able to give to them, which is, you know, reminding them about those lovely stories as well. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, telling them about the, good things that he did so um, that's a really great gift to be able to give them as well and really again like brave on your part because it's so easy to you know talk about what a terrible person that he was Um, but that's a wonderful gift to give your kids as well Um, they knew the truth about him they, they knew the truth about him. They knew why he was not talking to them. Mm. I did not sugarcoat him. I did not oh, do sure. anything like that. But I didn't bash him. Mm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't constant. Yeah, so. he's not a cartoon villain. <laughs> 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 um, I realise that we've run a bit over time, um, but we really appreciate you sharing your story with us, Karen. It's um, just such a beautiful thing to see you, you know, so strong and so motivated to to take care of your girls and to move forward and um I know that you said you know you don't know if that love is out there and who knows what's going to happen but I love that you know your worth and you know yeah what you want and I think that's a really great start before we finish I do want to ask you a final quick five questions um if you're ready yeah I'm ready (laughs) what was the first one what was the hardest thing about divorce Keeping my personal feelings out of it. Mm. Yeah, love that. Um, who got you through your darkest days? My girlfriends. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we love the girlfriends. Yeah. What's been your proudest moment since divorce? Probably when I reached out to my ex's family and invited them into my families with my girls. 
Mm. Um, that was such a brave thing to do. I'm really in awe of that. I think that was that was wonderful. Um, and what's been the biggest gift from your divorce? Me. Oh, <laughs> me. Oh, love that. Yeah. Best answer ever. And what advice <laughs> would you give to someone going through a tough breakup right now? Keep everything. <laughs> Keep everything. Every text, email, all your documents keep everything because you are emotional right now but yes download them pay put them on a usb drive print whatever you think is like a little bit huh maybe this uh, doesn't seem right print it keep it your future self will thank you yeah that's an excellent piece of advice very very good advice um amazing thank you again for joining us karen look you truly sound like someone who's turned her divorce into the best thing that's ever happened cheers to you thanks for listening to champagne divorce party if you're going through a tough breakup and would like support from industry experts and a community of like-minded women, come over and join our divorce club at champagnecartel.com divorce. Catch you next time.